All right, here's a question. What's the dirtiest you've ever been? Okay, maybe if you're a kid, it's like, oh, dirt biking, or maybe playing in the rain, in the mud, or maybe as an adult. I mean, think about it. What's the dirtiest you've ever been? Was it, was it cleaning your car? Um, I wasn't going to tell the story, but Brittany told me I had to. I had a friend when I was about 13, 14. We were at this camp, and we were out in the woods, and we had these big porta potties uh, but like, we had to dig these massive holes, and she went out, and she was using it, and she accidentally dropped her flashlight into this porta pot. Yeah, you know where I'm going. She reached in to grab it and fell headfirst into a porta potty right? So that's dirty. That's her answer. But what's the dirtiest you've ever been? Here, here's the picture of the dirtiest I've ever been. Have you ever heard of the Tough Mudder? So this is stupid. Don't do it. Uh, but it's like a half marathon of just getting beat up and destroyed, and you pay to do this. But you get absolutely filthy. Look at the next picture. So this is actually with Andrew. Look at his shirt before and his shirt after. What happens when something dirty comes in contact with something clean? The clean thing becomes what? Say it. Dirty every time. That's how it works. You can see at the very top, there's like a little tiny bit of, of white on Andrew's shoulder. Andrew basically carried me through that whole thing. But we got really, really dirty. But the answer to the question of what happens when something dirty touches something clean, it doesn't change. The clean thing gets dirty. So I want you to know today that we're setting the stage for the holiness of God. God is holy. God is the one with all the glory. So I like to preach one-point messages with big ideas, and I think you guys do that here too. So check out. Here's my big idea for this morning. If you catch nothing else, nothing else, but only this, hey, that's a win. You want to be free? Touch the king. You want to be free? Touch the king. We pray with me. Father, it is good to come. It is good to gather. It is good to sit with our Bibles open at your feet, wanting to learn from the King. Father, I pray that you might grant the reading, the reading of your word power this morning. The Holy Spirit would illuminate this text for us. A familiar story, but... God, that we might see new and deeper truths in there, that the gospel that's ever-growing and ever-evolving, Father, in deeper truths, would you show that to us? The gospel doesn't change, but the way we learn about it can change. So God, I pray that as we look at your text, you would speak. Might we see a fresh vision of you and your glory and your lavish love for us? As Andrew prayed, Father, I ask that you would hide me behind the cross. May we see you in your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Amen. All right, turn to Mark chapter 5, please. Mark chapter 5 in your Bibles. So let me give you a little bit of context about what's going on here. Jesus was just on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, the non-Jewish side, over on the eastern side. And he healed this man of, of his demons, and he threw him into pigs, and then he came back across the water. So he just did this amazing thing, and now he's working his way back across the Sea of Galilee to the western side. Here's what it says in verse 21. And when Jesus had crossed again to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus, by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and imploring him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come, lay your hands on her so that she may be well and live. And he went with him. Okay, so that's the context. That's the background for the story that we're going to look at today. Jesus just comes off this boat. As soon as he gets off this boat, people are what? What's it say? Crowding around him, right? Pressing up against him. Oh, the guy's back. Maybe he'll do something cool for us. And they're all pressing up against him. 
this guy has this daughter who's dying, and he comes and says, Jesus, will you help? And Jesus, of course, says, yes, I will come. So that's what's happening. Jesus is on the way to heal this sick girl. All right, look at verse 24. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians, and she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew up. What's it say? Worse. Okay, this word thronged. Does anyone know what this word means? It means to be pressed up against. Have you ever been in a mosh pit at a rock show? Paul, where are you? I know you've been there. Yeah, you've, you come out of this mosh pit and like none of the sweat on you is yours. You know what I'm talking about? Like you're just, everyone is sharing everyone else's whatever. That is what's happening here with Jesus. Okay, they are pressed up against him. There's, there's no room. They have thronged about him. He's being mobbed. And yet there's this woman. This woman who's been sick. How long has she been sick? Say it. 12 years. And she had suffered much under many physicians. She had spent all that she had. Okay, remember, we're talking about the holiness of God. So let's set the context. Because God is so holy... And so righteous. In the Old Testament, he wanted his people to know that, so he gave them laws and he gave them moral purification codes. And there were these things that you had to do in order to become ceremonially clean in order to come into the temple and to worship or to go to the tabernacle and to worship. There were many ways that you could become unclean, but you couldn't go and sacrifice, you couldn't go and worship if you were unclean. And if you broke one of these laws and you tried to come to worship, God might kill you. This happened several times where priests would go into the Holy of Holies and they weren't adequately washed or they didn't adequately do what God told them to, and so they would die. So they started tying ropes around the priest's legs with bells so that when he goes behind the curtain to the inner diviners, if they hear a thunk, they can pull the priest out. God wasn't joking. If you want to come to him, you've got to be clean because he is holy, he is pure. There were so many ways you could become unclean, touching something dead, if you were bleeding from anywhere, eating certain animals, skin diseases, leprosy, even having relations with your spouse would render you ceremonially unclean. You can always be washed. You can always do the rites of purification, wash your garments, and then you can come back. But you had to do those if you wanted to come. So this was a big deal. You couldn't worship God or enter the tabernacle. Anything and everything that you touched, if you were unclean, what happened to it? It became unclean. Okay, so this woman, how many years has she been bleeding? Twelve. So how long has she been unclean? Twelve years. Twelve years she hasn't been able to worship with the community. Twelve years she hasn't been able to go to the temple, present herself to the Lord. If she touched someone, they became unclean. Everything and everyone that she touched for twelve years became ceremonially unclean. And if she did touch someone, they had to wash themselves. They had to actually physically change the clothes they were wearing and basically take this type of bath in order to come and come back to worship. I mean, could you imagine how lonely she would be? I mean, honestly, think about it for a second. I know it's a story in the Bible, but put yourself there. How lonely would she have been? How hopeless she must have been? I mean, have you ever felt this way? Alone. Hopeless, dirty, like somehow if, you, if people know you or saw you, came in contact with you, they would be contaminated by you. 
her Facebook profile would show a relationship status of what? Single. Her own parents likely didn't want to touch her because that would have rendered them unclean. She had no friends, no family, no hope. Her Instagram probably, she had three followers maybe. That was a joke, she didn't have Instagram. No one in the world wanted to touch her, let alone be touched by her. How did you do during COVID? Right when you were struggling with contact and not being able to see people. 12 years, she would walk down the street and everyone everyone knew who she was. They'd give her a wide berth. You're not going to touch her. She's, ooh, there she comes. Watch out, guys. She's She's coming. I'm a hugger. This would have killed me. Okay, so now I need everyone to stand up, except for Andrew. Andrew, come stand right here. I need everyone else to stand up, neither hug, high five, elbow, something. Three other people, even the sound people. Everyone in here gets touched. Okay, everyone gets a hug. I'm coming for one. You stay there. I'm Brittany. All right, all right. Oh, that was some good touching. No, no, you're dirty. No, seriously, sit down and don't even touch your wife. Oh, no. She broke it. So, so think about this, though. This was like 15 seconds, and some of you literally felt bad for Andrew, but he didn't get a hug. Right? 12 years, no one touched her. Everyone in town knew who she was, and everyone in town knew that she was dirty. They despised her with disgust and prejudice and looked down on her. Okay, so let's recap. How much money does this woman have? Zero. She's completely destitute. She's poor. She's sick. So I've never been a woman. I hope that doesn't surprise too many of you. But but I've been around women who happen to be on their menstrual period, and it... Sometimes, you know what I mean? Like, what? Okay, uh, so uncomfortable, right? I mean, there's cramps, there's pain, there's smells, there's all sorts of things associated with this beautiful process. I think it's, I think it's a parable of the gospel. Blood brings life. I think it's beautiful. But there's, there's something that's unclean about it in the Old Testament. And so this woman is bleeding. She's been uncomfortable. She's been cramping. She's broke, she's poor, she's alone, she's unclean, she's despised, she's an outcast. I don't think you'll find a single person in the New Testament more, the word's not pathetic, I don't know what the right word is, more just broken, just oh, hopeless than her. She's the New Testament Job. I mean, have I painted a clear enough picture for you for what this must have been like for this poor woman? Awful, awful, awful. But she heard about this guy named Jesus. Well, maybe Jesus can help me. I mean, I hear he touched a guy with leprosy once. Supposedly the winds and the water obey him. In fact, right now he's on his way to heal a sick girl, and maybe if, maybe if he can help her, then, I don't know, maybe he can help me. Look at verse 27. 
She had heard the reports, the rumors. Hey, there's this cool new rabbi, and he's doing weird new things. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garment, I will be made well. What do we call that, by the way? What did she have? Faith. She knew that if she could get close to Jesus, she would be healed. This was faith. Verse 29. And immediately, how soon? Immediately. And immediately the flow of blood. She was currently bleeding as this is happening. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. What? Did you catch that? You read the Bible too quickly. She was healed. She saw every doctor, did everything she could for 12 years, and was left even worse. But now she's been healed. How did this happen? She snuck up like a ninja, got behind Jesus, and was like, pop, tag. And she, she touched the, just the edge of his cloak, right? Just touched the edge of her robe because she had faith that Jesus could heal her. She touched him, and immediately, how long did it take Jesus to heal her? Nice, Judah. Immediately, immediately she felt that she'd been healed from her disease. Guys, my friends, don't let the awesomeness of, just, of what just happened be lost on you. She is healed. This is a miracle. Can you imagine the joy in her life? Because she perceived instantly that she was healed. I mean, this is the single greatest moment of her life. She had struggled and struggled and longed to be free. She touches the king, and now she's free. Our girl is free. But it wasn't easy, was it? No. She had to fight her way through to Jesus. She had to press her way through the crowd because, again, the crowd was in the mosh pit. They were, they were thronged about him. She had to overcome the opposition. Here's my question for you, friends. When you try to live for Jesus, when you try to put your faith into action, what oppositions do you face for living in obedience to Jesus? What about at work or at home or with your friends? What challenges do you face? See, people might mock you for being a Christian. They might try to get you to sin. They will look down on you and exclude you in some way. But she didn't care. She fought through the opposition to reaching Jesus. See, this crowd was immensely large, right? And certainly it would have been very difficult for this uncomfortable woman who is in this condition to force her way through to get to him. Imagine. I mean, just close your eyes for a Imagine what it must have been like. The crowd was crushing Jesus. She's dealing with her condition and she's making her way up there, but she fought because there was nothing that was going to stop her from reaching his cloak. She believed that if she touched Jesus, she would be clean. But remember... What was she doing to every single person that she touched on her way to Jesus? She was rendering them what? Say it. Unclean. Every single person. So this crowd is this huge obstacle. She was touching every one of them, and they touched, and they touched. But she was willing to risk all of that. I, there's no way she walked in with her face. Everyone would have seen her. So she was, she was covered. She was cloaked. She tried to work her way up there. But she was willing to risk that because she had, she had her eyes set on Jesus and she believed he could heal her. This is faith. And she finally touched him. Do you have this faith? I mean, do you long just to, if you could just get a little bit of Jesus, he could set you free from whatever your 12-year problem is. What's got you in bondage? 
What are you addicted to? What bad habits have lived in your life for way too long that you need to touch the king and find freedom for? Look at verse 30. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power has gone out from him, immediately turned around in the the crowd and said, Who touched my garment? And the disciples said to him, What? You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? Jesus, everyone is touching you. Everyone. And yet still you say, Who touched my garment? Silly Jesus. Right? I can just see the disciples because, yeah, they were dorks, just like you and me. And yet, you see the crowd pressing around you, and you say, who touched me? But he looked around to see who had done it. Okay, let's ask the question. Why does Jesus ask who touched him? Does he not know? Does he know, yes or no? Yes. The sovereign maker of the universe knows all things, okay? He knows who touched her. So why does he ask? Is he trying to embarrass her? Is he he trying to cause shame? Is he like, hey, you stole power that you didn't ask for? I think there's two reasons why he asked her. One is he puts the ball for a relationship with him in her court. I believe he would have let her slink away. But he said, who touched me? And now she's got a choice. Do I confess? Do I come out? Or do I hide away? But if she wants Jesus, she can have him. She she already got what she came there for, right? Say yes. She wanted healing. She got healing. But now Jesus is offering himself to her. He's offering more than just what he can do. He's offering who he is. Are you more in love with what Jesus can do for you or who he is to you? That's the question. He puts the the ball for relationship in her court. And secondly, do you think anyone would ever believe her that she was healed? That the stigma's gone? She's walking down the street. No, guys, I'm here. Guys. Do you think anyone would have believed her? Yes or no? No, but when the miracle worker says you're clean, you're clean. Right? You see the grace of God in this question. Who touched me? The crowd was intrigued by Jesus. They were rubbing up against Jesus. They were out there out of curiosity. They wanted to see more miracles because they too had heard the rumors. They didn't truly accept him for who he was, but only for what he could do. Is this you? Is that the relationship you have with God? You'll stay connected to him as long as he keeps giving you what you want, keeps you from bleeding for 12 years, keeps your kids safe, your family safe, you don't lose your job. What if he takes all that away? Are you more in love with the gifts or the gift giver? You need to understand this. This entire crowd was pressed up against him, right? But if you're a note kind of taken person, write this down. Nearness to Christ does not equal a relationship with Christ. Nearness to Christ does not equal a relationship with Christ. Being in church might mean you know Jesus, but simply knowing Jesus is not the same thing of having a relationship with Jesus. If you, if you just know about him, you don't really know him. I mean, spending time at church doesn't make you a real Christian. Do you know how I know? Because spending time at McDonald's doesn't make you a Happy Meal. <laughs> Trust me, I've tried. I've been there many, many times. 
Still not a happy meal. Okay, nearness to Christ does not equal a relationship with Christ. Growing up in a Christian home, being a part of a life group, serving, that doesn't mean anything if you don't know Jesus. You might just be there because you're curious. Did that crowd get from Jesus what that woman got from Jesus, yes or no? No. Nearness to Christ does not equal a relationship with Christ. For example, let me show you this. There's a, I once had the opportunity to meet Shaquille O'Neal. I walked right up to him and stared him right in the throat because he's like 12 feet tall. Okay, He's a big dude. But here's the curious thing. So this was in the fall. I didn't get invited to his Christmas party. I know. Right? Do you know why? Because I don't know him. I don't know. I don't have a relationship with him. I shook his hand. I met him. That's not enough. I, I might know every single stat, and maybe for you it's this guy, right? Yeah, he's a Viking player, whatever. Um, you might know every stat about Kirk Cousins, how many interceptions, how many fumbles, how many, you know, whatever, yards he's lost. <laughs> but you're not getting invited to his Christmas party either because you don't know him. This is funny. Look at this next picture. So you know that when Chick-fil-A opens up a new store, the first hundred people in line get free Chick-fil-A for a year. Did you know that? Yeah, it's awesome, right? So I'm like, okay. So we went, and this was the, the beginning. We had to spend the entire night in the parking lot. Look at the next picture. Here's Colin Alexa, who actually happened to be sitting right over there. I was basically there just to chaperone them. Uh, but so here we are. It's like 2 in the morning, and we're so excited because free Chick-fil-A for life. Look at the next picture. It's 5.06. We're lining up. Free Chick-fil-A for a year. Next picture. So the way this works is the first hundred people get free Chick-fil-A. Your boy, 101. 101. And I held the door open for this woman to let her in when I walked in. Because I'm a nice guy. But look at this. I love this. But at least I got this stupid cow to remind me that 101 is just not good enough. Okay? So guys, here's what's crazy. I got the t-shirt. I got the cow. I spent all night with the in crowd. I was with them. These suckers over here got free Chick-fil-A for life. I did not. I was with them. I was around them, but I didn't get in. If you're 101, you might as well be a million and one. And the same is true with heaven. If you miss it by one, you miss it by all of it. Nearness to Christ does not mean you have a relationship with the God of the universe. Knowing about him is not enough. You need to know him. What's our big idea? If you want to be free, what? Say it. Touch the king. If you want to be free from whatever has you in bondage, touch the king. Have you, like this sick woman, sought to be close to Jesus? I mean, you know you're dirty, right? Like, we're all sinners. Look at the person next to you and say, you're such a sinner. Look at the other person and say, I'm such a sinner. A bunch of sinners. It's true. We are. Apart from Christ, we are dirty and condemned. So, do you long to touch Jesus, even the garments that it could change your life? Who here loves Jesus? Raise your hand. How hard was that? Not hard. What if we were at Target? What if we were at your preschool? What if we were in your atheist biology science teacher's class? Who here loves Jesus? It's, it's a little harder out there, isn't it? So Jesus is looking around, and he has the audacity to ask the dumb question of who touched me. But he knew. 
Look at verse 33. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Okay, wait, we just, wait, hold on just a second. Just a moment ago, this woman was filled with the most joy and the most hope of her entire life. Things were good, the best they'd ever been. But then now, why is she afraid? Why is she so afraid to the point where she's trembling, where she comes and falls down and shakes at Jesus' feet? See, she was scared to death. Because what happens when an unclean person touches a clean person? Say it. They get dirty. Whoever touched, whoever she touched would be unclean, even Jesus. How dare she? Who the flippity-flop does she think she is? That she gets to go and defile the most holy rabbi who ever lived. You know what the penalty was for defiling a rabbi? Death. They would have been well within their rights, not Roman rights, Jewish rights, to pick up stones and throw them at this woman until she died. What would you have thought if you were in that crowd? Jesus like, who's touched me? The woman's like, it was me. And you're like, whoa! Ah! Right? Like, seriously, you'd, you'd be so upset, wouldn't you? No, no, yeah, yeah, you would. If that meant you couldn't worship, you'd be upset. Everyone was so angry with her. So picture this woman. She's trembling at her feet. She's scared for her life. Everyone she touched is unclean. She's guilty. She's dirty. Get her, Jesus. Surely Jesus would be furious with her. He would condemn her. She is a dead woman. But my friends, that's not our Jesus. As we're about to find out. Look at verse 34. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Okay, what? Check this out. Instead of her impurity causing Jesus to become impure like the law said it must, it was Jesus' holiness that made her pure. What happens when something dirty touches something clean? It gets dirty, but what happens when something dirty touches Jesus? Instead of our filth being transferred to him, his holiness eats our filth for lunch. He touches us, boom! This is a new way of dealing with God. This is paradigm shifting. No longer do you need to be clean in order to come to Jesus. No, you come filthy. Touch the king and you'll be set free. Jesus is instituting an entire new way of engaging with God. It's beautiful. It's profound. We don't don't want to miss this about what he's doing here. We need to understand how groundbreaking this is. Jesus' righteousness completely cleanses our wretchedness if we pursue him by faith. Daughter. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Peace? Yeah, right. When was the last time this woman had peace? Oh, but she'd never had Jesus before. Jesus changes everything. What's our big idea? You want to be free? Say it. Touch the king. Me too, buddy. 
You want to be free? Touch the king. Our sin is not infectious to God. His holiness is infectious to us. We no longer need to clean ourselves up. Has anyone here ever broken a bone? Sweet. Bunch of boring people. You guys do more things, okay? Do dangerous, scary things. So what you do when you break your bone is you never get like sticks and duct tape, tape it up and go to the doctor and be like, doc, we're good. I just wanted you to double check this. No, if you've got a broken arm, what do you do? You go to the doctor and what does he do? He heals you. He puts the cast on. And that's how you used to engage with God. But no longer. You come broken into church, broken into God's presence and say, please help. And he does. He takes you as dirty as you are. God is saying, yeah, you're impure. <laughs> you're dirty. Uh, yeah, you're messed up. I know that. But my son Jesus, he can deal with that. My friends, that's the beauty of the gospel. You need to know that our sin, our filth doesn't just disappear. Jesus doesn't just take us, oh, it never happened. No, it costs Jesus a ton for you to touch him. It says it was the Father's delight to crush God the Son to death to win you. If you would but put your faith and trust in him, you want to be free, touch the king. Look at this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 17 and verse 21. This is key. Let's see this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new what? Say it. Creation, the old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Verse 21. For our sake he, that first he is God the Father. For our sake he, God the Father, made him to be sin who knew no sin. Who knew no sin? Jesus. Okay. So for our sake, God made Jesus to be sin. Do you see that? See, sometimes we think about Jesus this way. I had a backpack up here, and someone very responsibly cleaned it up. Anyhow, imagine if I'm wearing a backpack, okay? So Jesus does not just take on our sin like a backpack. Do you know that Jesus didn't carry your sin? Do you understand he became your sin to the very core? Why? Why did he have to become our sin? So that when he died, it died. Do you catch that? He didn't just take it there and say, God, take care of this. No, it, his entire essence became sin. Why? Why would he do that? Look, God the Father made Jesus to be sin so that in him we might, say it, become the righteousness of God. Does that say receive? Does that say put on? No, it says become. My friend, once you receive God's righteousness, it's not like putting on a backpack and then you go and life gets hard and you sin and you struggle and your addictions and it falls off and you're like, oh no, I gotta, I gotta put God's righteousness back on because he'll be mad if I, no, when it falls. My friends, Christian, hear me. If you are in Christ, you have become the righteousness of God. And what that means is when God the Father looks at you, he sees his son. So you are just as secure in the love and acceptance of God the Father as Jesus himself is. You are just as secure in the love of God the Father as Jesus himself is if you've touched the king. If he became your sin and not just gave you his righteousness, but you've become his righteousness. See, this woman, she was expecting condemnation because she, she knew the filth and she thought she had given her filth to Jesus. And she was expecting condemnation from him, but instead she found love and acceptance and grace and mercy. Jesus gives this woman healing and peace because of her faith. I mean, can you just picture this woman again? Awful. Really good. Oh, really bad. And now she's at Jesus' feet. And what does Jesus call her? Do you remember? Daughter. 
When was the last time someone that, can you picture him reaching down, cupping her face and say, daughter, I love you. Daughter, I've got you. No one wanted to touch her, but Jesus does. Okay, Jesus touches the untouchable. He calls her daughter, and this signifies relationship. All she wanted was healing, but she got the king. It worked out really well for our girl. See, Jesus touches the untouchable, the people nobody wants to touch. Like, Andrew, come back up here. This is what Jesus does to filthy, disgusting people. <laughs> like Andrew. But guys, that's what he does. We have a touching king. Positive touch. So where are you with Jesus? I mean, this is a cool story, right? I mean, it's really cool. But have you touched him? Or is this just still knowing about Jesus? Are you ready to know Jesus? Do you have faith that he is who he says he is? That he's done what he said he's done? That he can do what he said he will do? Or are you just looking for the good stuff from him? Maybe a cool miracle. Maybe, hey, do that thing where you feed everybody. That's awesome. Do you just want safety and good friends and health and a pretty comfortable life? So let me ask you some probing questions. Maybe just close your eyes and, and, and yeah, close your eyes. And just listen to these. What opposition are you facing to have a deeper relationship with Jesus today? What's your crowd? What do you need to push through? What stigmas do you need to overcome? Are you willing to fight to get to Jesus Oh, yeah, really? No matter the cost? Like, are you that in love with him? You just, you'll fight anyone to get to him? Why or why not? Do you love Jesus for who he is or only for what he can do for you? And are you sure? Are you a person who happens to know a lot about Jesus? Or do you know Jesus? Have you ever come in your uncleanliness and allowed him to cleanse you? Friends, you can open your eyes. The gospel is this, that there's a God who loves you and he's got a beautiful plan for you. But the reality is all of us, by nature and by choice, have become sinners and have become children of wrath. And in our sinful and separate condition, we have no hope. But then Jesus responds and comes on this cosmic rescue mission to bring his people back to God. He died in our place and says, you know what, I'm the only way to get back. I'm the only way to get to God. So then we have the response, well, we accept him. And we have to do that individually by faith. Do you believe in Jesus, yes or no? Great, so does Satan. Do you know that? But he knows enough to shudder. Simply believing that he exists is not enough. Do you trust Jesus? Check out this picture. In, in 1860, there was a famous tightrope walker named Charles Bolden. And he had this brilliant idea to walk across the Niagara Falls with a man on his back. So this was a huge occasion, I said it was 1860, and actually the Prince of Wales was nearby, and so he came to check it out, he was so excited, and a big, fancy, you know, whatever, royalty thing, and, and Charles spots him and says, hey, Prince Albert, do you believe I can walk across the tightrope over the falls with a man on my back? And the prince yells back, I believe you can do it. Charles looks up and says, will you be that man? What did Prince Albert say? Prince Albert politely declined. Because believing someone can and believing they will are very different things. 
You might believe in Jesus, but do you trust him? Trust requires action. Trust means you climb up on his back and that you believe that he can carry you across the chasm of your guilt and your shame, your damnation, your condemnation, your sin, your addiction, your filth. Do you believe that if you just climb on his back? He'll get you across because that's what it means to trust, my friend. I think a lot of us in church are really good at believing things about Jesus. But do you trust him enough to climb up on his back and go with him wherever he takes you? Believing in Jesus is not enough. You need to believe Jesus. Believe what he says. For our last time, what's our big idea? Say it. Belittled his. No. You want to be free, my friends? You touch the king. So how do you touch the king? You touch him by coming to church. You touch him by worshiping. You touch him by singing. You touch him by praying with your friends. All after the first touch. Okay? Once you touch the king and he makes you clean, you have become the righteousness of God. What that means, my friends, is that Jesus drank the entirety of God's wrath for your sin. He didn't save some. So if you think God's still mad at you, he, he can't, my friend. Because then... What did he pour on Jesus? Half your sin? No. He poured all of your sin on Jesus. Jesus drank the cup of God's wrath for you, and it was poisonous, and it killed him because it was sin. So there remains no wrath for you, my friend. So I'm not asking about that first touch, but daily we need to come and we need to touch the king because he's the one who can heal us. He's the one who can cleanse us. I mean, do you really believe that Jesus is the only way to be clean? Close your eyes for a second, and I want to paint a picture for you as we close. Picture that crowd. Jesus just got off the boat. They're splashing. There's people coming up against him. There he is. Quick, get him. I mean, can you, can you see this crowd getting bigger and bigger, and people don't know what's going on, and they just keep adding in, and it's massive. Can you picture yourself as that woman in pain, broken, scared, alone? Is there something that you want to fix in your life? Is there something you need Jesus to cleanse you of? Touch the king. Can you imagine how different your life would be if you could just break through that crowd and get up and touch the edge of his robe? I mean, picture yourself right now, like trying to get to Jesus and fighting for it. Can you picture yourself him turning around and instead of condemning you for whatever filth you're taking to him today, he puts his arm around you and calls you daughter. He puts his arm around you and he calls you son and says, I got you. That's the gospel. Touch the king. Take whatever pain or whatever problem you have. I'm going to give you about 30 seconds here. Talk to your king. If you've never touched him, oh, tell him you want to know him. Take 30 seconds right now and talk to your king. Father, we thank you that you're so much better than we could have ever hoped. I mean, sometimes we just hope for healing, but you offer us so much more. You offer us peace and contentment, joy, belonging, identity, freedom, hope, all these things, Father, if we're just willing to, to sacrifice all of our wants and desires to please you. Father, give us the strength to have faith like that woman who, who was willing to fight and upset people and make people dirty because that's what it meant to get to Jesus. Oh, Lord, may we be aware of whatever the crowds are in our lives, the things that keep us from going, oh, that might be too difficult. I don't know if I should really press all the way through to Jesus. Father, forcibly occupy our hearts and our minds with the truth of the gospel that Jesus is more satisfying than whatever has us in bondage.
May we fight with everything we have through the power of the Holy Spirit to touch the King. Might you, through your beautiful gospel, bring regeneration to our hearts and our lives. Father, not just for our sake, but for the sake of the lost, hurting, broken people around us who still need to touch you. May we be a witness to them. Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for this faithfulness of the gospel here for the last six years. Thank you for what you're doing. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, remember that girl that Jesus was on his way to heal, that sick girl? She died. Really, she died. You did. She died, bro. But that wasn't a big problem. Jesus went over and talked to her, and he raised her from the dead. If you think you have no hope, if you think you're too far gone to be saved, you're not. Touch the king, okay?